so this week's episode is something that um, I it's been on the cards for ages to be honest and like Covid was in the way and I want to do it justice and I think I have I genuinely think I have so this was Steve Steve's a gunsmith but he's more than that I mean he loves the countryside and he's got a big big love for everything outdoors I mean his dogs are fabulous he's got a couple of dogs which he tracks deer with um, I would tell you what they are he did tell me but they're from abroad, they're hunting dogs, I can't remember what he said now. But Steve is, though he's not particularly old, he's not young either, um, he, he does old, old time, old, old time gunsmithing. And quite frankly, to speak to him and, and the passion he has about the guns and what he does, I mean, we were talking, talking before the show, and he says there's a lot of air rifles, which, is, which he, he enjoys doing, but the bit, I think, you know, the, what I got from him was, was rifles and shotguns, what he really enjoys, getting the, getting them working right. But saying that, he's had some old air rifles in there, and um, he had some real quirky stuff as well. I won't tell what he showed me, um, because he had a client selling it. Um, it'd be wrong on me to show you, uh, to say it, but he had a, a, an old piece in there, very old piece, um, pre-charged jobby, and... Yeah, I mean, it was just, it's just fantastic to see, and, it, and you could see the spark in his eye when it came to these, um, to all this, and he loved it, so yeah, enjoy. Kick off your boots and put down your hunting knife. It's time for the Outdoor Man Podcast, with the man himself, Outdoor Man Dan. Join us for fun stories, useful how-tos, and insights into what being an outdoorsman means today and what it may mean in the future. From ethical hunting and conservation to new stories to tell around the fire. Let's get into today's show with your host, Outdoor Man Dan. Cool. So, Steve, I this has been a long time coming. Uh, we spoke about this last year during lockdown and then lockdown happened and, and everything else. Um, and like you were saying to me before we started that, that life is hectic with the guns, especially the air rifles. But if people could stop bringing the air rifles, that'd be great because you uh, love your rifles. <laughs> started off with shotguns. It, it was all, at the beginning, it was just a lot of shotguns, yeah. a hell of a lot. And then I think when lockdown came along, people were digging out old air guns, like the phone call we had this morning, digging out old air guns that their grandsons are now old enough to use and wanting them refurbished. And that's quite a bit of my work now, actually, like, and vintage. And people come in, the amount of people that come in here and they look at um, the guns in the rack and it takes them straight back to their childhood because it's a BSA Air Sporter or a Webley Mark III or a Victor or a Vulcan, you know, some that they'd use to to shoot at things you don't shoot at anymore um, and uh, yeah the, the minute they pick one up if you've got one in the rack that you've spent the time to get it to shoot really well the smile on their faces when they fire it and it's straight back to being being 15 again or whatever you know um, it's pretty priceless yeah it, it's funny you should say that because I dad not long ago got rid of my hair that I grew up with and actually, Dad has still got parts of my sort of latest air rifle that I'd managed to destroy, taking to bits, trying to make it better. Which didn't need making better; we kill rabbits, you know. Anyway, I had a, I had a, uh, a Diana. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was a Diana. Nice little, little one seven. Like I said, shooting things I really shouldn't be shooting with it. 
Um, and even that though, you know, shooting rats in the garden, like you have daddy to feed birds in the front of the garden, the front of the house, and I'd, you know, like, like creep the bedroom window open and plonking rabbits out, and that, then it went from that to a gas powered and that to a 410 out the window. Which used to upset the neighbours quite a bit. You get a lot of um, a lot of the air gunners come in and they ask you to uh, just turn it up a bit, and because you know there's this just because the UK limit is 12 foot pounds, it's it's, it's like the the speed limit is 70 miles an hour. That's the actual limit, and it's not something to aspire to. It's <laughs> something that's there for a reason, and I get that a lot. Where it's you know obviously you can't do it, and the. Uh, you know, testing them with a chronograph, but people are often surprised when you get a rifle correctly t set up and tuned right, how bloody good they are at nine or 10 foot pounds. It doesn't have to be right up on the limit. Yeah, you know, you can kill a fox with a 410, you haven't got a shit lump it with a 12. No, exactly. You've got to be in the right place. Yeah. Yeah, and you, the other thing is, uh, uh, you know, with an air rifle, uh, as with a lot of things, uh, a good quality pellet, so good quality ammunition, is far better than the latest Fandango incinerator bullet that travels at f three million miles an hour. You just don't need it. Yeah, and that's something I didn't really realise with air rifles until last year, and I bought myself an air rifle to play with. Actually, I was going to do a review on it, and a bit of it was the Hatsan mm -hmm. Factor. Is it a Factor? Don't know, yeah. Funny-looking thing. Um, it's got like the um, not adjustable stock on it, a bit like an M, a bit like an M4 type, mm -hmm. like jobby. Um, and then I realised I realised why I like my firearm certificate about five shots in. And, uh, and Dad was like, "Oh yeah, I've been playing with air rifle." So I went, "Here you go, you play with it," because I've had enough of this in my life. And and Dad still got it. But I think a lot of my troubles, bullets, pellets, I just bought the wrong one. The wrong ammo. I, I perhaps should have just sat down with yeah. it and had a play. You know, mm. put a few of these pellets there, put a few There's a lot, I mean I've just rebuilt one that, that shot very well with one type of pellet before and then now it's all done and working properly it, w it just won't tolerate and it took me quite a while to go through various types to get the right one. Um, what is interesting I think at the moment is in the last couple of years FAC air rifles have really taken a, um, a resurgence or become a lot more popular. Um, I think that's probably because of the demise of good quality 2-2 rimfire ammunition. Some of the stuff just doesn't seem to be anywhere near as good as it used to be, whereas a, a well set up FAC air rifle with the right ammunition and somewhat like the Wildman slugs, the new, the new generation of slugs, is the accuracy is phenomenal, it really is. I got some slugs for Dad to try with him, um, uh, with, that rifle of my, with that rifle of mine. Um, and he was getting really well with it, he, you know, he was smacking um, jackdaws and stuff and they were you know, really dropping at a, at a distance. Yeah. And, and even like, um, oh, who was it? I met him here and I came in last, um, Triple... Roger, Roger, Roger Lay. Yeah, you know, shooting shooting stuff at 100 yards with an air rifle. Yeah. I mean, that that, that is just outrageous. Well, yeah, Liam, Liam at Wildman who makes the yeah. slugs. He's been shooting regularly, shooting seagulls and stuff. He's got a special license and um, crows on some rubbish tip he has to work out to 200 yards. I mean, that's just you know unreal, isn't as, it? As a child, you, you, you know, from, from garden shed distance was, yeah. was your limit. Wasn't I know it? it's, it's insane to to think what how air rifles have evolved in the last 30, 40 years is just incredible. Yeah. So, how did you get into guns itself? Because you were army originally. Yeah, I first started a oh, passion with guns, I suppose, when I was about, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, shooting like 
older friends, air rifles in their back gardens, which again, nowadays you can't do. Um, went through the old army cadet phase or air cadets and shooting, started shooting the 303. And then at the age of 16, joined the army, 24 years. Uh, 15 years of that, I was a small arms instructor. So, you know, always shooting various different firearms from the military. Um, and at the same time, developing in between operations and, and um, tours away, developing um, contacts and shooting within within the field sports community and getting into deer stalking. And um, managed to get sort of sponsored by the MOD to do all my um, military uh, deer management on the, on the services branch side. Um, led to a further interest in that side of it. Been a passionate stalker ever since, nearly nearly 30 years now. And um, came out of the army, uh, set up a business, but due to um, off arthritis, I had to give that up. But at the same time, I'd met a friend who was a, a local gunsmith, ex London trained, and uh, he said he was um, struggling to get all of his work done. And uh, he'd happily take someone on, and we sort of had a chat, and, and that's how I sort of got into what I'm doing now and, and learned a lot about the shotguns. And that was, that was seven years ago, and it's just gone from strength to strength. Yeah, well, that's how we got, got, I got to know you and it's through Hedge Lane. That's what this all, start, yeah. this all started off as a podcast through Hedge Lane. Hmm. And then I spoke to you. Then a mate, another mate of mine who's had stuff off you before and said, Oh, you ought to talk to Steve. And then literally, I got two phone numbers with the same phone number. I'm like, ah, okay. Um, it's funny how the, how the world goes. Yeah, right. so, so it's a small world. The shooting community it is. Everyone seems to know everyone. Small. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, same characters appear time and time again. Yeah, you know, and I didn't realise that. You know, I, I had. A, it's funny. Um, I was we talking to everyone about me in the foxhounds, and um, I had uh, someone come over. our new huntsman because he's from the same sort of. Well, I sort of know my my gamekeeper, as it were, and uh, all of a sudden this bloke turns up. Like, Fucking hell, Gerald! What? Yeah, hi. How are you? And we, you know, we knew each other. You know, it's just, and the more I think you'd have probably found it being older than me. But the older you get, the smaller, smaller the world it seems is. To become, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just, just bizarre. So, what's the, what's the thing you like working on the most? Because you obviously do everything. I really, I really. So this week's sponsors is Sam from So You Shooting. Please, 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 if you want it, if you're interested in anything like that, um, anything in the world, I think, I think he'd, he'd have a go at finding you. Um, go and have a word with him. Sam is a really nice young lad making a very good business. You've got Guns on Pegs, which does that sort of thing, but but they've lost their human side and they're just out there taking money. Sam, really personal, he'll, he'll, he'll speak to you, ask what you want, find out what you want, and then he'll kill himself to try and find that for you. So honestly, go there, quote me, and and have a word. Also, another sponsor this week is Vision Vinyl. If you want any custom decal stickers, any t-shirts printing, any hoodies, stuff like that, is go check them out on Instagram. That is Vision Vinyl Co. Um, and chat to them about what you want. Mention that doorman, and you'll get 10% off an order. Then, the last but not least, definitely not but least, sponsor is V Tactical. Now, I gain nothing by uh, 
by promoting this company. I say I get nothing, that's a lie. So as a friend of mine who owns it, if he tactical makes all military kit, but, but not just military kit, okay? A lot of the stuff that I use for my, my hunting and stalking and, and work-based stuff is made by V-Tactical. My watch strap, though it's camo, um, is actually made by them, and that's a Garmin um, Fenix 5X. And that works an absolutely dream with the heart rate monitor, stuff like that. So don't be put off just because it's military site. If you want something making, anything like that. My gun slips are all made by him. Um, and they're an absolutely fantastic company with great customer service. Things are a little slow, but you get quality. So what do you want? Do you want to, do you want to, do you want to at the door tomorrow with bad stitches and uh, poor workmanship and poor customer service? Or do you want to wait a week and get an absolutely fabulous bit of kit, great customer service, something's wrong, or you want something making, or anything like that. Feed Tactical, also, before I go, done my chopping boards, which you see on my Instagram, with my logo. So if you want anything like that doing, contact them as well, and I'm sure they will square you away. So, back to the show. The older English side-by-side -side shotguns, that's good. It's always nice to work on, work on, uh, quality guns, you know, things like Parazzi or Beretta DT-10s, that that type of thing is a joy to work on. Um, but there's also a pleasure in getting a gun that comes in that, that, that's a problem child and you might you might spend all day on it to get it right and running right and it, you know, that's good as well. Accomplishment, isn't it? Yeah, but I like, I like, I enjoy providing someone the customer service. Someone will come in and say, can you get me a certain rifle or I want to stalk deer and I'm going to go shooting on the hill or whatever it is so I'll give them advice based on what I've done myself um, might be something like a Tika T3 or something like that and then and then uh, a, a befitting optic to their budget get it all set up but the thing I pride myself on is before the rifle leaves here it will have been test fired on the range to make sure it's shooting nine tenths straight and all they've got to do is test it himself to get used to it and adjust the sights for a final tweak mm. that's that's a good thing i have to say the tika t3 is a nice rifle isn't it yeah not as nice as it used to be because they've obviously the Seiko dropped the standards on tika haven't they but mm. they are you can't go wrong for the money no. the, the one that i really like or would like to see and i think will will um blood blazer's nose is the new beretta brx1 right Beretta have bought out a new rifle. You might not have seen no, it I yet. Seen it. It's um, a straight pull rifle, ambidextrous, change barrel. Um, it's got lots of the features like a Blazer R8, and the retail price is about fifteen hundred quid. Yeah. And it comes with an integral um, Picatinny rail, so you haven't got to get any extra mounts for it or anything. It just works. Yeah, apparently so. I mean, I've not seen you that's, know not seen it in the flesh. That's the one thing that got me with my Remington, which. I was her supposed to bring me today? I wanted you to look at. Um, you know, I bought the rifle. Well, I had the rifle bought for me. It was my 21st birthday present. Two, two, three. I think it's my 21st. And and then I've got no. There's no um, mount mounts, so I had to go. I had to source them. I didn't in the end. I got they. they, they the, the, the scope mounts go straight into the. All right. Yeah. Bases base or something. Itself. Um, so then I got them, and then it was just—it was always just something. It never was just a case of, yeah, you just put that straight on there and away you go. And for someone, 
I, th I thought then, for someone who was, you know, as young as I was, what to pull the trigger, I wanted to go and use it. I, was ha I had a week, ten days, of like going to um, Hereford to get a scope because a friend had a shop down there, or well, Leerance, it wasn't, it wasn't Hereford. And then I had to go to another gun shop in near Manchester because they had the mounts I wanted. And I was driving around the, the UK, mm. and I just, and I, at that point, I thought, well, this is fucking stupid. It happens quite a lot. And you, that's why I like to be able to say to someone, right, if you come come down next week or whenever, it'll be ready. And I've already test-fired it as well, so I know it's right. And I think that, sadly, is lacking with a lot of the, um, a lot of the places where you can get things from. They haven't done quite enough research or care, diligence to it. There is no, though there's gun shops and there's clothing shops, there's no real, real gun shops anymore, is it? You can't just go somewhere and someone will sort you out. All they want to do is say that rifle. They don't really care about the rest of it. In a way, I understand that, but in a way, the uh, because the overheads nowadays of not just gun shops, any, any shops are so massive that the, the shop has to turn over a significant amount of stock to, um, to just to pay the bills and and the other thing is customers because of the Amazon uh, mentality now where you can sit we can sit and order something on Amazon right now that will be here either this afternoon or tomorrow morning they expect the same service of say a gun shop or any other specialist type shop and it doesn't happen and what what is sad is when you get people turn up or inquire which I get a lot myself about a certain item a scope or a rifle or whatever it is they'll do all the research through you pick your brains often in the evening or at weekends via social media, um, and then they go and buy it elsewhere. Yeah. And that, that I think, I, I believe they call it fishing, but I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of people, even last week, a couple of weeks ago, I was stood in Cambridge in a shop, and people were trying shoes on in this shop yeah, yeah. to then go and order them online. Yeah, yeah. And it really, it, it's not doing anyone any favours. No. But yet they were complaining when they couldn't go into town when lockdown was, up, was on. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. Um, and I get that, but I, I found, especially the last few years, like when I've actually been to a gun shop and got, and, and, and got stuff, that, oh yeah, we haven't got it, but give us a couple of days and it's done. Well, that's, that's a big difference to 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And people still need, but people, people like you said, Amazon mentality, isn't it? The other thing is, of course, you know, you think, back in the day, an air gun, certainly when I was, when I was young, a good air gun, was probably 50 quid brand new or a hundred pound brand new max when you look at something like one of the most common brake barrel rifles now the virac hw95 they're pushing around about the 400 mark without the scope or anything that's a lot of money and if you're a gun shop with with you know two two each of sort of two two and one seven seven and then you you add all the other models to the virac range or the air arms range you've suddenly got twenty thirty thousand pounds worth of stock sat on the shelf hoping that someone's going to come in and buy it yeah no i i get it i get it it's just a shame that we can't have i suppose and i, and I say it again i say it quite a few say it quite a few times on the show that somehow the americans have got it right with stuff like that and we haven't and then to agree that that's that's true and it isn't but like you can go to, in most shops in America, you can go to Walmart and get pretty much what you want. And in the UK, we haven't got that. And I think it is a shame that you just can't. We haven't. But thing is, you think about America. I mean, I don't know the exact statistics, but you've got 
just about everyone in America over the age of six shoots a gun or whatever. Um, That's a firearms, that and, can just near rifle. Yeah, but the, but the thing is that because the demand is there, it's like anything else, you know, there's loads of petrol stations around because people need petrol and diesel for their cars. When it all goes electric, how many will be left? And that, that in a way, is the same with, with guns yeah. or with anything else. It's just, it's, you know, it's just a bloody shame. But, like, it is the way of the world, unfortunately. Mm. So, what is the strangest thing you've been asked to do? As in firearms and, 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 and gunsmithing, not... One of the funniest things I had was, a young lad came in who was about six years old with his dad, barber jacket, flat cap on, gun bag over his shoulder, and asked me to have a look at his gun. And when he opened the gun bag, he had a uh, toy side by side in there with snap caps in it and he pulled it out I said what's wrong with it and he said I oh, that's a bit tight and the trigger wants loosening so I um, I took the gun off him and had a good look and I gave it a squirt of WD-40 and a wipe over with a, a rag and made out to adjust the trigger and I said you try that now let's check that for fit and um, he was over the moon and he got a five pound note out of his pocket to pay me oh, really <laughs> wow but yeah, no, we get a lot of that, or, um, yeah, air guns, one just a few days ago, someone came in or wanted one of these airsoft machine guns sorted out. Yeah. I suppose, in a way, the, one of the funniest stories I had was a, a, a local friend of mine is a German World War II reenactor. Yeah. And he bought his machine gun in, it's a blank firing thing, and, um... We took it down the workshop because that wouldn't extract the cartridges when it was firing nine millimeter blank. And um, well, I thought I'd cured it anyway, and he decided we needed to test fire it in the workshop. Mm. Unbeknown to me, these these uh, reenactors guns all discharge upwards by law. They don't come out the end of the barrel, it goes vertically, so it's safe. Oh anyway, he bloody, uh, he loaded it up and, and let rip in the workshop. And um, luckily for us, it only fired one shot and then jammed because it nearly blew the roof off. It was that loud. <laughs> so we've not done that again. But no, no, we get plenty of plenty of odd things come in and um, a fuse from a World War II bomb that that uh, went off like a volcano. Yeah, it's um, it can be amusing. Yeah, yeah. Every day's a different day, I suppose. And no guns got the same problem. No, not really. I mean, some, some guns are much more reliable and robust than others. Um, you get, again, amusingly, with, with the more modern um, air rifles, the PCPs that you charge up with compressed air, a lot of the older folks are buying them now because of their accuracy and everything else. And um, most air cylinders, so the dive bottle you fill it up with is a 300 bar cylinder fills up with 300 bar pressure and the rifle is only 200 bar and they'll bring the rifle in blown up because they've assumed that if you pump 300 bars into the rifle it will make it more powerful because it just blows all the seals yeah. and another one is when they haven't read the instruction manual which is quite common really common in <laughs> fact especially if it's male we all do the same and, and uh yeah they they fire it without cocking it properly and then end up with 20 or 30 pellets stuck up the barrel is that common is it yeah yeah, very common, yeah, and a lot of the rifles um, sort of cater for that in, in that you can remove the barrel fairly easily. Right. The, the worst thing you well, can do, it yeah, it depends on how many there are. Sometimes you end up heating it up. Do you? Yeah, or a new barrel. 
if it's really bad yeah. but um the, a lot of the time people people will try and make something to get themselves out of trouble i suppose because it's a bit embarrassing and use a wood screw and that's the worst thing you can do because the wood screw barrels aren't that aren't that tough metal they're not that hard and because the wood screw will damage the rifling yeah i got i've had a friend in Shropshire, i'm talking a long time ago now um and he bought a rifle from a guy and it was his second it was his second rifle and he had hardly shot it. The first the first one he brought, I we just do some justice here. So he bought the second one off this guy and it was alright. The first one the guy had, he'd ruined it within a week, ten days. Le definitely less than a month. Because what he'd done was he tried to bed the rifle properly, so he fired a shot, cleaned cleaned the you know, and, and tried to bed the rifle in. But what he'd been doing to clean the rifle, he'd been using grinding paste. To, 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 to clean the barrels. Yeah. So as he was doing it, he'd make it into a smooth bore, and um, yeah, fucked it. it. Was in about uh, definitely within a month. I think it was ten days. A lot of people don't realise when you look up a rifled barrel that the actual rifling itself, due due to the way it's made, it's either cut or what they call button rifling, which is like a a small hard like a baked bean on a stick if you like which is pulled through the barrel like to, to form the rifling yeah to score the rifling up so the rifling invariably is only half a millimeter high in the first place yeah. you know and that's why a lot of these high speed calibers like your 22250 243 that sort of thing the barrels don't actually last that long because they're, they're not that hard of steel in the first place it's almost like two and a half seconds of the barrel's life is that right it, it probably is because obviously if you think from the time you pull the trigger to the bullet leaving the barrel is point something of a second yeah so yeah i mean typically uh, i had a 22250 which i used quite a bit i think it was shot out in around about 1500 rounds which is about right yeah but yeah yeah it's something to consider um and of course what with the growing cost of everything now um a rebarrel on a rifle is anything from what around about 750 up to a thousand pounds say um but it just depends on if you're gonna you know replace the rifle what you're gonna it's use almost, it's almost as cheap to replace a rifle isn't it yeah to, to a certain degree depending on what you're getting i mean unless you've paid money on a, cu on a custom stock and a custom trigger and a custom well that's exactly it isn't it yeah yeah and, and the thing is i mean um some people will use something like a Hauer rifle, which is a great thing. Um, you can pick them up. I mean, a place I went to a couple of years back, they were buying two Hauers at the beginning of the year, using them for the clients the whole year, and then they were selling them on to the locals at the end of the year and okay. buying two more. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I've, I've got a Hauer. My, my 6.5 is a Hauer. Good rifles. Um, it's funny, because a mate of mine who's a, who's a keeper up in, in Scotland, right up in Scotland, so, so up, they had snow last week. Um, he hasn't got snow now, but he had a snow shower. And um, he was saying, uh, I said, oh, I look at this how, what do you think? And it was everything, it was a moderator scope, all set up, all this was second hand, but hadn't had many, had, hadn't had many shots through it, which I don't think it had. Um, oh yeah, you could do it, it's, it's alright, and that's the right price. He said, but they're not very good, they're a bit flimsy, they're a bit this, they're a bit that. And then he said, you ought to get a Tika really, and I nearly did, and he bought a Tika. That was very very close to, to buying one and then I thought about it I thought for the same price as a Tika I'm getting a whole setup and I thought I get where he's coming from if he's up on the hill taking clients out day in day out for two or three months well really for, you know from as soon as the season starts on row right through stags 
and Hines and everything else. I'm sure Howard probably isn't the right rival for the job. But the amount, the amount of shots I'm going to have through it, it's probably more than. It'll last you for life. Yeah. It will. And that was and that was the that was the clincher in the end. And I, I I phoned the lad up. I bought it on the phone and I said, "Well, my ticket comes through. I'll come pick it up." Cause mm. I've been told I was getting the ticket. You know, my ticket been approved. I'm just waiting mm. for it to come through. You know, three years. I think a lot of people nowadays as well are, are very much fixated on if this rifle won't shoot three rounds touching at 100 yards it's no good well realistically you've got to look at um, what you're trying to shoot with it and even the smallest species of deer munchak the the area which is vital to killing it humanely is probably at least the size of a clay pigeon yeah. so you know if, as long as your rifle is capable of hitting uh, a clay pigeon at 100 yards from any shooting position you can affect in the field, not off of a bench, yeah. um, you've got something good. And I mean, you know, a lot of people out there will scoff at that, but the, the, that's the brutal yeah, fact. Sure, yeah. yeah, 100%. And I said that, you know, I'm happy, like, I often take the big rifle to work with me because I've got the odd mudjack knocking about, and I, I enjoy shooting the 6.5. Mm. And, um, you know, if you see a magpie like 300 yards away, I'll, not in the tree, obviously. Um, I'll, I'll have a wang at it, and I'm happy if I can hit that magpie because that's that's the size of, that that's where I want to be hitting that size yeah. target. Anything else? Yeah. It, a lot of the time, you see people buying the top of the range gear and then there's only 20 quid left to buy 20 rounds of ammunition in, in the aspirational world it's probably yeah. 70 quid for 20 rounds of ammunition <laughs> it's for mine anyway. but, but you'd be better off buying a cheaper rifle and a massive heap of ammunition and going out and learning to shoot the rifle properly yeah and the same the same comes really with with uh, shotguns and cartridges and clays getting gun the gun fitted to you once you can consistently mount it and then using the same cartridge all the time will produce far greater results than keep swapping the gun over and looking yeah, for some chokes. other solution. You know, the amount of people, the amount of people you go shooting with and see them changing choking, yeah. well, this drive's got higher birds or it's got lower birds. Fuck it, put skeet in, put a big cartridge in and go for it. That's always been my... That's always yeah, there's, been there's my a lot to be said for matching the cartridge to the gun and yeah. then obviously the, this will all come about again in the next couple of years with this new lead, uh, lead-free alternatives yeah. that come along. I was going to ask about that. What? Are you going to be busy, do you think, with that? Not really, because any... guns can't take it, can they? Well, the thing is, it, there's guidelines up on the wall there, but the, the, any gun which has got a standard nitro proof, so from the English proof houses or elsewhere, any gun with a standard nitro proof can shoot what they call standard steel shot. Right. It needs a steel proof to shoot superior shot or high performance steel. What's the difference then? Right, so I don't know. So your superior and your high performance are going to be the sort of loads that you would use for wild fouling. Okay. That type of thing. The and it's actually the important Yeah, the important thing is that regardless of what type of ammunition that is, it's going to be written on the box, this is superior steel. Okay. And if your gun hasn't got the fleur de lis on it, which says it's a steel proof gun, then you can't shoot it through it. What will happen if you haven't and you do shoot through it? Chances are the pressures, firstly, the pressures are going to be higher or could be higher. Um, if the superior cartridge is three inch and your gun isn't and it's only two and three quarter, that's obviously going to yeah. cause trouble. Um, the bottom line is it's not safe to do so. It'll blow, so, it'll blow, it'll well, blow the barrels. 
not so much blow the barrels, it could bulge the barrels, it could like, damage the gun. It might, okay. might not be as drastic as blowing it, but it's something you shouldn't do. Yeah. It's the same, the same thing is, I'm saying that you can fire steel shot through any gun with a standard steel proof. That's on the proviso that the chokes of the gun are no tighter than half. Okay, so it's got to be half or more. Half or less. So, Half or less. So, Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, the, quarter the or wrong way round. Yeah, because the otherwise the, the idea is when when you're firing steel shot through a gun, it's a harder material than lead, and the gun needs to be capable of letting that steel pass through with the least resistance. Yeah. So the forcing cone doesn't want to be a really tight angle, and the um, the choke shouldn't be any more than half. Yeah, oh, I've seen um, I've seen when something gets jammed up. A, up, up power before years ago when I was at a game fair and it might have been the East Anglin one when it was at Eastern you know at the, at the Norfolk showground when it was a decent mm -hmm. a decent show not like it is now at um, Houston um, and this gun was all broken down it must have been on the gun makers no it wasn't it was on gun makers row in Shropshire at the big one the big game the big game fair the West Midlands one guns were broken down and he said, what do you think's wrong with this? And it's all sort of blown out. And he said, that's where you've had your, your, your 20 ball in front of your 12. Yeah. And your standard fuck-ups. Um, and then it was got, had, 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 a, had a range of them. And there was one at the end, and it was blown right out the side, about halfway up. Uh, and he said, this one was a mess. And it was a mess. It was a Barrett Silver Pigeon. And he said, what's what done that? I've got no idea. And he said, that was a mouse. And what had happened is this guy had been pigeon shooting in the summer, stopped, physically stopped shooting. You know what old boys do, they've got their own routine, they physically stopped shooting to have his lunch. Had his lunch, fell asleep in the sunshine. Woke up, pigeons were coming in, put a couple of cartridges in, and then went to go back at it. As he pulled the trigger, guns bolts. That gun was a week old. And they took it, they sent it back to Beretta saying it was a faulty gun. And at that point, everybody had agreed it was a faulty gun because technically the barrels were empty because it had been, you know, laid on its side, everything else. So, like, that dad would kick my ass if that was the case because I've always had it drummed in me to check the barrels before you put the cartridge in. And anyway, they had it, they had, they sent it off to some, like, like forensic team and they found traces of fur and blood on the bulge. And the only thing they could, the only thing they could come up with, which was, it was a mouse, that when the gun had been laid there, a mouse who'd gone up the warm barrel and made a nice little home for himself or got stuck, one or two. Yeah. And then obviously the pigeon come in, boom, boom, that had blown the barrels. Bloody hell. I've had a couple of guns come in where people have not checked the chokes, the multi-chokes. Right. And they've been loose and it blows the end of the barrel out. Yeah. It doesn't take much either. You only need a small air gap for the gases to get underneath it and it'll blow the end of the barrel off. I knew a guy who used to shoot a gun with no chokes in it at all and it had a big chunk at the bot at the end of the end of the where the threading was, um, and, he, and he, it was his work gun. He's, he's a again. Gun. That's quite common. I get quite a lot of people come in that don't don't bother fitting chokes for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I need yeah. to skeet overnight. I mean, personally, I need one of them bank jobs cut off at the stock, and I can just about hit something then. But um, I'm not a good shotgun shot. I, I'm not a bad shotgun shot if I haven't been shooting rifle, and vice versa. I can't do the two. I've got a friend who can just pick one up and go with it. It does, it takes quite a lot of uh, practice. I, I remember I didn't really touch shotguns outside military ones until I was about 24. And um, it was uh, quite a transition to shoot a shotgun from a, being a rifle shot all my life. 
I mean, I'm not brilliant at shooting a shotgun, but I can shoot straight with them. But there, um, there is, it's something you've got to practice at to be good at. Yeah, I found when I, I when I got invited to simulate um, to a simulator day with the Cotswold Field Sports earlier in the year, and the first like third of the drive, first drive, I was horrendous, and then I realised what I was doing. I've got to get through the bloody things. You can't shoot them behind them. And after that, I was nailing them. But it took, it, you know, I had I'd had probably 50 shots really before I'd found my rhythm, and then and then got into it. Yeah. But yeah, it was that was. Yeah, there's no is. there's no substitute for practice. I mean, the amount of I get a lot of people come here and it's there's something wrong with this or there's something wrong with that. And I think I've found already over the over the last few years and over 1,200 guns that a lot of people are looking for the mechanical solution to the physical problem. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the amount of times I've had people stand here and say, I wish I'd never sold that gun because they've gone and bought another one to discover the same sort of issues, you know. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for practice. I, I wouldn't go on a golf course. Um, I don't play golf and then expect to be, you know, playing Tiger Woods the next day. You've got to, you've got to dedicate a bit of time to it. Yeah. No, 100%. And I, I, I know. I mean, I shot. I had a Benelli M2 years ago. And I sold it to get a Beretta. That was the worst thing I could ever done. I could shoot the Benelli. I couldn't shoot the Beretta. And uh, and they got an M2 again. Someone else came in with one of those the other day. They're they're a nice looking thing. I mean, yeah, they're not outrageous looking. They they shoot nice. They're simple. Not exactly the gun you'd take to a to a formal shoot though. That's the well, thing. Well, I know. I may turn up with it, but I'm a bit of a hit. You've been listening to the Outdoor Man Podcast. We're glad you're here. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Find us on Twitter at Podcast Outdoor, on Instagram, Outdoor underscore Man underscore Podcast, on Facebook, Outdoor Man Podcast, and you can even reach us by email, dan at outdoorman.uk. Let us know your outdoor questions and be sure to tag us when you're outside living your best life. Until next time, be the example.